We're four moms living in Silicon Valley. We all landed here from four different places. Candice from Philadelphia. Jasmine from San Diego. Tamara from Toronto. And Kim from Atlanta. New motherhood can be scary, but beautiful and really overwhelming. So it's nice to have the right people in your corner cheering you on. We found each other and now we want to share with you. Welcome to MomSync. Hi everyone, this is Candace, uh, mom to Cannon, who is 18 months old, cannot believe it. Um, today's topic, uh, we're going to talk about coordinating family visits. All right, you made it past the first month, uh, you're either coming out of hibernation or whatever it is, um, and now you're ready to invite your family to come and see your wonderful bundle of joy. And we're going to talk a little bit today how to coordinate those family visits, how to space them out, how to handle traveling to visit family members, and finally, what to bring. Are you shipping stuff? Are you buying stuff? Or are you packing the whole house up and making your move? Uh, so I'd like to start with Kim, just because she's a little bit further along in the process and want to hear about her journey and how she coordinated her family visits. Yeah, so my mom was actually here from the start. So she came like two weeks before I delivered, which was a great help because Juliet was two weeks late to the party. But uh, she was just here just as a support, walking with me, helping me get everything together, praying with me, like just helping me to calm down and be patient. And then once we finally brought in our beautiful baby girl, she was just such a help being at home, recovering from a C-section and trying to just really be able to uh, just, <laughs> just get through it all by, you know, going, I'm dealing with all of the the issues of like not even being able to lift myself up out of the bed. And I had a really rough delivery. So um, it was just a great support. And then too, I'm the type of person where I'm a little bit like, I try to do it all on my own. And I was very vulnerable at this point. And I had to ask for help. And that's really hard for me to do. Um, so I literally, she was helping me to TMI, but she was helping me to the bathroom, everything. Like it was really a rough uh, recovery those first couple of days. But, and then just having someone there to like cook for me and help me, you know, keep the house together. So when she left, she actually, I, I was really fortunate and blessed to have her here for two months after Juliet came. Um, when she left, I was in tears. I literally was crying like the day before she was leaving, crying the day after she left. But Candace gave me great advice, like always. <laughs> and she told me, you know, just do one thing the next day when she leaves and just find that one thing that you're going to do. I ended up doing like three things, which was great because it just showed me like, just throw yourself in it. You can do it. You were made to be Juliet's mom and you can handle this. Like, it's okay um, to be, you know, sad about losing, you know, not having your family around because you're out here on the West Coast alone, but we could do this. So I strapped Juliet up um, in her little um, carrier and I went to the grocery store. I went to get coffee and I went on a walk. And those are my three things the day after my mom left. And it really just was like, a, 
I needed that because I really needed to be able to just throw myself into this mom thing and just know like I'm going to be good even though it's just Jared and I and the baby. So uh, thanks for that piece of advice. But yeah, so I think, you know, we did things a little bit different. I think from tomorrow you had family come a little bit later. So I guess, you know, when you're thinking about like having us being out here long distance, it's been great to have like this tribe, this community around, because I've really loved sharing that experience with you at the hospital. So yeah, for me, it was a little bit different and a little bit difficult. Just to remind you, I'm Tamara and I now have uh, two months and three weeks. So she's almost a three month old. She's breastfeeding on me right now. So if you hear her um, cry or anything, just say aw and that's cute. Um, so for me, it was a bit of a challenge. My family, obviously, we're all struggling with the fact that our family isn't in the city we live in. And for myself, they're on the other side of the country. And most of my siblings and my parents are all over uh, the world, I guess. So my uh, I'm originally from Canada and my mom passed away when I was 11. So it was a little bittersweet, you know, having having her here and not being able to, you know, meet her grandmother or having a mom here. So that was a big challenge for me. And it was a bit sad just, you know, seeing a lot of other people having that support and also just all those things that you think in your mind that three generations of girls should share and be together and all those things that she could teach me. So that was one challenge. And then the other challenge, my dad, he's from Ghana, and so he was there. And then my stepmother, she's in Toronto. My sisters are both in Atlanta. My brother's in Toronto. So it was a challenge being like, who should come and when? And how do we get people over here? So timing-wise, we figured we, you know, people were working and they couldn't come for a specific amount of time even though my dad wanted to come for the birth, but you don't know when the baby's going to be born. So that's really difficult. So for me, in the end, we decided that Andrew and I would have two weeks together with the baby or three weeks, and then we would invite other people to come and help us. It was more so to try and get us into our flow, to try and see what we could do on our own. And mostly, first and foremost, to just have that time as a family unit. Even though it was really difficult, uh, I'm glad we did. I'm really happy that we did that. Even though it was really difficult, I'll say that again, um, and challenging, and but it, it was nice to have that bonding time and not have to share our baby with anyone else for that period. Oh, and I had a similar experience. So I also lost my mother at age six. So, you know, having a baby um, is, is bittersweet because you wish your mom was there to meet your daughter and to share whatever little wisdom. So you get a little teary-eyed over that. And then you're here on the West Coast away from your family. My family was in New York. Um, Cannon was quite early um, for one what we thought she was coming. Um, so there was a lot going on. Um, and I think from the beginning, um, Mark and I both agreed that the best thing would be for us to have our time with Canon, um, really solidify our teamwork and how we were going to handle this and working through having this baby. And I think 
I would agree with Tamara. It was just nice. It was hard. It was challenging, the up and down and figuring out feeding. But it was nice to know that the two of us did that together. And yes, it would have been wonderful to have had help. But it was also nice to kind of, you know, break our arm, patting ourselves on the back that, yeah, we did this. Um, we kind of handled that. And my friends, um, Ann and Quinton. Um, who's my mom guru, they kind of did the same thing. They had two weeks by themselves, their family at the time they were living in Philadelphia and their family was in Colorado. They had a similar thing where they spent the first two weeks, just the two of them, figuring out the schedule, getting their child and our child, same thing too, on the schedule that we could live with. Not so much so that, you know, a schedule that grandma or whomever has decided works best because they know I don't think people just give over their child that way but there's a little bit of that coming on and sometimes you know it's really nice to step back and say this is our space this is what we'd like to do and again being in San Jose and being in this area we live in pretty tight quarters, so we're having to adjust. It's not like we're, you know, back east with three bedrooms, two baths, the whole, you know, expansive square footage. We have to make do with what we have. And some of that is you have to decide when your family's coming in. And for us, um, we decided around September to have our family come in, and they stayed, you know, I think they stayed in a hotel or what have you and they were here for four or five days and they spent time and everyone got to hold Canon and see Canon and you know there were some activities I could participate in and some I just couldn't just because it was difficult to get out of the house you know pumping feeding what have you so um, that was kind of my experience with coordinating family visits. And to piggyback off of that, Candace, I think for me, having family here, you have to know who to invite if you decide to do it like I did worth having family here at the beginning. Um, so for me, it was important that, it, well, one, to have my mom there because I know her personality and she's very calm and laid back and she's not overbearing. She wasn't intrusive. She let Jared and I really do our thing. She didn't just intervene when Juliet was crying. Like she let us really do our thing and she was just there as a support if I needed her. So that was very important. So, and then also you don't have to worry about somebody that's going to offer up a million pieces of advice and have your head swirling. Like that is like, the thing that I just wanted to make sure like whoever was around me was like gonna be calm and so literally like in my uh delivery room like it was just Jared my doula and my mom was there and she's just you know my prayer warrior she's just very if you guys know her she's just very meek just very calm laid back so that was good but I would like say the other meek. people that I think she's very strong just quiet and strong zen, zen. but you know, we had other family members who stayed in the waiting room. And so they were able to be around and, um, and see Juliet when she first came into the world. But we kind of still had our, our, our boundaries set. So, and then too, like, it's important to know, like, if you decide to have someone stay with you after you deliver, just like I said, just it, to me, it was important to have someone there that you know is not going to be so overbearing and intrusive and like trying to tell you what to do but allow you to do it and then just 
you know, offer help when, when necessary. And I think the key is setting boundaries. So regardless of if you decide to spend the two weeks with just you and your husband or your partner taking care of the um, baby, or you are having family members come in, you have to set those boundaries because when those people leave, you're stuck with this child who may have some weird spatial whatever set aside by someone else who's not going to be there all the time who's not their mom or who's not their dad if if you want to do that that's your prerogative but honestly if you're going to have help you got to give people direction about what you want that means you know oh what can i do to help and don't be afraid to ask can you put this load of laundry in can you go to the store for me what do you need from the store and that's the type of thing that you need at that time and I think I'm just going to add too there's a lot of people who do come and they do not offer to do the right thing so I, I totally agree with you to you know be forceful and say the best thing you could do for me right now will you put in the laundry yeah So Jasmine, a good piece of advice for you as you get ready to deliver, someone told me, make a list of all of the things that you need done so you don't have to worry about like trying to think when someone actually offers to do and not just hold your baby, but actually offers to help. You could just say, there's a list on the refrigerator or there's a list on that notepad, just pick one thing and that will help me a ton. So I think just having a list there so that you know like, this is adding up, this is piling up, the laundry, whatever it is, that it's easy for a good friend to just come over and say, oh yeah, let me do this and knock it off your list and help you out. Yeah, I definitely feel like the way I'm thinking about this as I prepare, because I am 30 weeks yesterday, is um, it's very similar to who do you want in the delivery room. I mean, it's a vulnerable, like sacred space. It's your home, it's your new baby. Um, and all of that, you know, deliciousness, but also, you know, it's, it's your, your, your special space and you have to be very intentional about who you invite into it. And I feel like not having family here, my, uh, my mother-in-law lives in town, but she works crazy hours. So she's, she's got horrible vacations. So I don't foresee her being there quite as much as I'm sure she'd like to be, but, um, I am kind of, we're thinking about this more of like a hybrid kind of uh, approach where, you know, people every day, a lot of people are very blessed to live near their family and it's a wonderful thing. So if I have family who I can set those boundaries with, who respect my wishes for my future child, then sure, they can come, but not all at once is kind of of how uh, we're thinking about it. Because if we lived back home in San Diego, we'd have tons of family and friends who want to come over and want to help. But, you know, living far away, we also get the power to choose, okay, well, you know, Elishan, my husband is going back to work this time, you know, maybe you might want to come then, or my mom will be here this time, maybe it'll be a little cramped in our space, maybe you might want to wait. So it's kind of like you, in some regards, you can get the best of both worlds if you, um, you know, have uh, have the opportunity and you have the people in your life to make it so you don't feel so far away or alone. So it's going to be really interesting to see how that all pans out. But um, that's kind of how we're looking at it. So the flip side of it, now that you've coordinated family visits and, you know, figured out who's coming and in what time frame and what they can do and what they shouldn't do and getting shots and not getting shots, the next thing is to figure out going to visit your family. Who are you going to visit? When are you first traveling with your child on an airplane? So um, I think we'll go around the room again and uh, ask Kim. 
Yeah, so I actually prepare myself for the long haul, like the long flight to Atlanta from the Bay Area by bringing Juliet and Jared along with me for a work trip. Um, so we went to Portland when she was about four months old. And so we were able to like just go through the process of going to the airport, what to pack, literally brought my whole life with me and Juliet's life with us um, for a couple of days in Portland. But um, it really helped us to understand how to navigate it all, what to have as far as like, do I, I mean, I didn't even know, like, do I need to go get some kind of identification? Like, how does she fly? What do you do? So um, I just uh, was able to like really do the research before I went on the trip. Um, and of course, all my girlfriends offered advice about like how to, you know, breastfeed on the way up, breastfeed on the way down, bring extra shirts, you know, make sure you pack. Like I made sure I, I brought everything on the flight with me for Juliet as far as like diapers. And if our baggage got lost, like at least she was taken care of, like her clothes and everything were in a uh, the carry-on. And so, um, yeah, so we were able to really like go through the process before we took the four hour, close to five hour trip home to Atlanta for Christmas. So I really think that was a great way to like just stick our toe in the water a little bit before the long trip. But she did so well on that flight. And so I was like so nervous about, and one of my girlfriends, she's uh, from Australia and she travels a ton all around the world. And she said, you know what, if I could tell you anything about traveling with babies, just know that you are their mom and no one else on that plane matters. Like, so if your baby starts to cry or if someone's annoyed by you, say whatever, this is you and your child, they'll be okay. Like, don't even like get into your head about, oh my gosh, like freaking out because she's maybe disturbing someone on the flight. Like too bad. Every, too bad, exactly. And she told me that and I was, you know, that really like helped me put things into perspective because I get so worried about appeasing everyone around me that I'm like, I need to just focus on Juliet and I and making sure that she's at peace and she's fed and she's taken care of and not worrying about like if she starts to get a little antsy on this long flight. So um, yeah, so the, the quick flight, the hour something to Portland was easy. The long flight to Atlanta was a little bit tougher uh, going because we were grounded for some like we had to go back to the the terminal for something blah 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 long story short uh she got a little like frustrated because we didn't go straight up in the air and that white noise really helps her when we feed and she gets she just kind of zonks out so uh going was a little bit difficult but coming back she slept like four hours I was so surprised so that was really good but I think you know some of the pieces of advice that I some of it I got from Candace and other friends who have traveled is just like really like I wore a shirt that um, was a button down. So I wore a shirt that was easy to open up. I could pop the boob out, breastfeed easily. Uh, and it was also like a jersey material. So like if she's like slobbering, like right now she's teething a little bit. So she's like slobbering on my arm all the time or she spits up. It's easy to wipe off. It doesn't get like all soaked or whatever. And then the other thing was um, – just really like having everything in um, Ziploc bags or whatever and just really being as organized as possible, especially going through security. Like I was like, okay, I got to get the breast milk out and this and that. I knew where everything was. Like if something happened, I had to do, like she had a blowout. I knew exactly where to get all my creams, whatever. And so everything was just like very well organized. So that was helpful. And then I would say the other thing um, 
the thing that we didn't do, and Candace told me about this, was just like checking the stroller in the car seat when you get to the airport and just strapping her on. That was helpful because um, we didn't have to worry. God bless my husband. He's like sweating bullets trying to get the car, I mean, the stroller back into the carrier, I mean, to the, you know, the little travel bag and so he's like trying to hurry up they're boarding the flight and he's like sweating trying to get it all together and at the gate so it was just easier this time when we went to Atlanta we just put everything in uh at the front and just went through security and everyone's pretty accommodating wouldn't you like think like when you travel like oh absolutely I think um for me I took two trips the first was a short trip to visit my friend Anne in Denver who now lives on the west coast um so the first trip was just Cannon and I and this time the first time we went I took her stroller um we have a car seat that fits in the stroller and I took the base of uh the car seat and all of that traveled with me to the um, airport gate and so we checked it there Um, in hindsight I probably should have checked it um, at curbside uh, because it was a lot for just me to pack the stroller break it down Um, Cannon was sitting in the car seat then I had all the car seat stuff together I took her out of the car seat put her in the wearable baby I think it was a Catan or one of those and then I strapped or I packaged up the car seat. But those things are kind of heavy to carry. You have a book bag. You've got with all of your accoutrements, breast milk, this pumps, all of this other stuff. You're wearing the baby and then trying to drag the car seat and the um, stroller. And it's a lot. But people are very willing to help. And, oh, look at the baby. Yeah, can you help me? Thank you. Um, and the other thing, to go back to your point, um, One thing you do need in terms of identification um, for the baby is a copy of uh, the baby's birth certificate. Um, So we have a paper paper version of that. I think I got three copies and then I did a paper version. You can call the airport in advance to add your child to the reservation. So that's one less thing you have to do curbside. They'll do it for you, but it does take a little bit longer takes five minutes you call they add them to the um to the reservation so that was pretty helpful the second time i traveled by myself um i did do um once again i did do the check at the airline gate probably wouldn't have done it again but um it was just nice to have her sitting comfortably it was an extra set of arms because i was traveling by myself so i could put things underneath i didn't have to carry everything and everyone was pretty accommodating it was quite nice when you arrived to have your stuff there um you roll off the airline and there's your um stroller car seat etc cetera, etc cetera, so and going back to your point about what you need uh too is another quick point is just checking with the airlines that you're on because I know one carrier wanted us to have immunization and then the other yeah and then the other carrier was uh just birth certificate so it was interesting to see uh the different uh requests although they never asked for it when we got to the gate but when we called they were like yeah bring your immunization and your uh and your birth certificate. And I'm like, what? And so, and I'm like, what about the anti-vaxxers out there? So I don't know, like, it's just, I guess from company to company, but I think the best piece of advice is just calling ahead and making sure you just go ahead, check your, you know, add your child, like Candace said, to your 
uh, ticket and go ahead and ask to see what they require for that particular airline. So get ready, Tamara. Yeah. Are you ready? No. So basically, <laughs> I am traveling to Atlanta in three and a half weeks to go see my sisters. Uh, and Adeline is almost three months. She'll be three and a half by the time we go. I will be traveling alone. Wah, wah, wah. And that, of course, is very scary and very intimidating. I was going back and forth deciding whether I could do this or not. And in the end, I was like, okay, strong woman, I can do this. So I've been asking everybody, been researching on what, you know, what I should pack, what I need to have. Um, what you know that whole birth certificate thing i read that today and was like oh right do we need a passport and just so you know you do need a passport to go internationally um so i don't know if that that's of course intuitive and then also i've decided that i'm going to take the stroller right up to the plane gate so it's going to be a challenge but I also am a little bit bold in that I will ask for help. So I have no problem being like, flight attendant, will you hold my baby? Um, yeah. And then also if there's like a stranger around being like, hey, do you mind pulling my bag? You know, playing the new mom card, I will play it. And I, I'm shameless in that, in that sense too. One other thing you can do um, is if Andrew is dropping you off at the airport, um, you can ask for like a, a con I, I forget the exact name, but it's a boarding pass that allows you to accompany people up to the gate. So like if you have a senior who's maybe has dementia or a mom with a baby, you might be able to use that so Andrew can help you all the way through to TSA. It's not for boarding purposes, but it gets him at least to the gate so he can help you through. That is so that's 100% something. great to know. Yes. So And they're super, like even TSA, like they were so like, I mean, a lot of times we, I'm sure you know, much respect to them and the job that they have to do to keep us all safe when we're flying. But sometimes you don't get the best attitudes there. But when a baby is coming through, I will have all the smiles and they're like so helpful. Like, let me help you get this on the conveyor belt. And you know, like they're, they go over and beyond. They're like, come on mom. Okay. And they're just like, I felt like, you know, VIP going through security mm -hmm. check with the baby versus like before they don't even like get, like, at, who? give you a yeah, crack smile or anything. But I was also going to say, we talked about packing up. Um, something that we really leaned on was Amazon and going to the local store, whether Target, Walmart, whatever, and um, getting things at your destination if you're not flying internationally. Um, so something that was super helpful for us was just packing what we needed and things that were too expensive to buy again. Um, we just, you know, pack just enough diapers just in case anything happens and um and then we just bought a box when we got there or you know packing you know i bought some bottles when we got there extra like bottles or things like just to take some of the weight off so things that we didn't necessarily need while we were flying um just get it on the other side because it's just take you know jared and i were literally at curbside like shifting weight in our suitcases because we were at well over capacity so and we were like candace let's borrow your scale so we can weigh our suitcases like we were just <laughs> taking way too much so that was super helpful to just just remember there are stores where we're headed so we'll be okay and another tip for that which i have asked my sister and both my sisters and i said 
hey, you have friends with babies. Can you ask them if they have an extra pack and play that they're not using? Or I know that one of them has two mamaroos, so can you can we borrow that? So if there's any, you know, mom friends that can lend a hand with any of their equipment, that's that's great too. Because yeah, that's a good tip. how do you put your baby down when you're over at their house? Do you have to run upstairs and put them on a bed, like put them on a couch, that sort of thing? So um, that was a big one. And then also, how do you end up taking, do you have to take them out of the carrier at TSA? Or do no, you... they let you come, you can keep the baby on the wearable carry in the wearable carrier going through, and they take you through the metal detector, not the scanner, so you can keep the baby on attached to you, yes. Yeah, but then the weird thing is once you get on the plane, you have to unhook, which I find is the weirdest thing. When we had the baby carrier, we had to untether her from us so you have to take the straps off and every airline is different some want you to take it off completely some just want you to take the straps off my thinking would be if you're flying why wouldn't you want your child tethered to you i don't want her flying through the air um but whatever that's the yeah. rule it's and then what weird. we did i mean and it's so many different ways like when we flew on the long flight to atlanta we took the boppy and she was able to go to sleep. And so she, we had her, I nursed her on the way up and she was laid across the boppy. I, I was just kind of like, when we took off, I had my arms around her. Jared put his arms around her to brace her, you know, when we landed and all of that. But um, she was like passed out on the boppy the whole flight. So that was something one of my friends gave me a piece of advice, like just bring your boppy. And so you can have that on you during takeoff. So there's other things you guys had mentioned too, breastfeeding. So breastfeeding on the way up and breastfeeding yes. on the way down that's yes. what they say yeah. that really helps because you think about you like when you're going up your ears may pop um, as you're going through a change of altitude so it just helps them to keep those jaws moving um, while they're going up so that they don't you know you, a lot of times you hear babies like screaming when they're going up right. so it just really helps and it helps lull them to sleep because by the time they're up in the air the white noise is going from the sound of the aircraft and it really honestly like helps them just start to snooze doze off as they're uh, as you're flying so so normally we do um a mom hack and we will get to that but i feel like today we had a lot of little hidden gems all yeah. throughout today's um podcast so uh we'll pause here for a moment and we're going to come back with our mom hack my mom hack is obviously for breastfeeding mothers or feeding mothers you have to wake up uh, multiple times a night and most of the time you're on your phone so my mom hack would be do not go on Amazon and buy a ton of stuff when you're at four o'clock in the morning and you're sleep deprived okay because you will make some interesting decisions and definitely just if you find something that you like wait until the next day if you really want it go back and do it so I bought a really, really interesting thing the other day, and this was one of my 4 a.m. purchases, and it's something that goes from your neck to hold your phone up so that, you know, it's easier when you're breastfeeding, and now looking back, I'm like, why? <laughs> why did I do that? So mom hack, Amazon, don't do it at 4 a.m. When you're coordinating those family visits, too, you have to decide. Um, a lot of times when you have a newborn, the recommendation is that, at least here in California, flu shot when we're in flu season and the whooping cough vaccine. And a lot of that is having that conversation and 
quite frankly, not being afraid to say, if you're coming to visit my child, you need to make sure you had the uh, whooping cough vaccine and the flu vaccine, um, just to keep my child safe and protected. And also don't be afraid to ask them, wash your hands. I had no problems doing that. So those were my things, but I know sometimes it can be difficult to ask people to do that. Yeah, it was kind of like awkward for me because I was very adamant about it. Jared was like, Kim, you're extra. Like, I'm not going to go around telling my whole family that they need to have flu shots and Tdap shots. But I was like, well, like, we're going to be there for a month and you need to make sure like they're not coming around Juliet. They're sick, this and that. But it was a conversation. And so something um, like along with asking them to wash their hands or just kind of like, you know, I would just kind of. Uh, slide it in there like they're like oh let me see her and I'm like oh yeah can you wash your hands real quick you know or you know uh, just covering them a lot of people want to wear perfume Juliet has sensitive skin and so I would just like throw a muslin cough around uh, across their chest before they would like hold her against their like shirt that's drenched in like whatever perfume of the day so I would just kind of like put that barrier between the person and Juliet and then like you know, also, like, a lot of times when people aren't around newborns or infants, they don't know that you shouldn't touch their face or their hands because their hands are constantly in their mouths. And so I kind of, like, slide my hand in there. Like, if they're getting close, I'm like, oh, yeah. And I kind of, like, put my hand down on Juliet first before they, like, touch her. So um, I had to give somebody the Heisman who yeah. tried to put their fingers in Adeline's mouth. What? Yes, what? I know. It seems crazy. And they did because she she was, you know, starting to cry a little bit and they were they were about to be like, oh and I was like, no. Yeah. And had to shut it down. Do not put your fingers in my child's mouth. Right. That is disgusting. <laughs> so I was annoyed at that. And as far as the flu shot and Tdap, make sure you give them a lot of warning beforehand because those take two weeks to get into people's system. And also, it, it takes some convincing. So if they're going to do it, then they should start early to try and convince them. Yeah, and especially, like, if they're coming to the hospital for delivery, like we were talking about before, if you have people there early. Like, I told all of the close family, family members that were going to be at the hospital, flu shots, Tdap shots, no exception. So dad, everybody got them. Um, and they didn't, you know, put up a fight. They understood at that point. But I think a lot of times when you're going to, like, a place where you're going to be around a lot of people that may only see her for one time. It's kind of that awkward conversation of like, do I tell everybody that's going to, she's going to encounter to get these shots. But um, I think having those barriers there or like something that I did was um, we had her christening while we were in Atlanta. So there were a lot of people around um, and I basically just held her like they could see her, they could, you know, be around her, but I just held on to her. I didn't like pass her around. Oh, no, and you can't pass your child around. I mean, ha half of it I still have in my diaper bag um, antibacterial wipes. So when I traveled, I, I was that crazy mom wiping down the everything. seats and everything in the immediate area. And a lot of it is just the hand sanitizer. It's not soap and water, but at least hands are clean. So that has to be the baseline of what you want um, your child to be exposed to. And I agree that muslin cloth is everything for the first year. Oh my year. gosh. You use everything. It, you you use can it for use everything. it for breastfeeding. You can use it to lay it on the um, 
airplane so they have somewhere if there's a little extra room for them to lay out on at least it's something clean that they're laying on something to protect something to put a barrier so and even really like important. on the airplane going back to this trip tomorrow like She's not at the age where she's going to be kind of reaching out and touching a whole lot. But Juliet is a little older, so she like, likes to stand up in my lap and kind of touch the seat behind me. So what I did was drape the, the seat, the airplane seat, with the muslin cloth. So that way she's not touching that nasty. I, I already like Lysoled everything that you could possibly. If, I'm sure the lady on the aisle appreciated this, but like the whole row was like clean with Lysol. And then I put the muslin cloth on my seat in between Jared and I, so that if she touches anything else that's not mommy, then she is at least somewhat has a barrier of protection. So. The yeah. other thing that uh, was a good tip, the language that you use about when people want to hold the baby, um, a good one was, hey, you want to hold the, wash your hands and hold the baby and make it more like, instead of go wash your hands, make it more like, hey, you can do this, just get them excited about it, but put that as a precursor. Um, some people even have a note on the door for when people walk in saying, wash your hands and take your shoes off. All right. Well, I think uh, we pretty much covered coordinating family visits, going to visit family, traveling with baby, what to bring. So thanks for joining us and we look forward to seeing you again next time. Thank you so much for tuning into The Mom Sync. Make sure you follow us on our Facebook and Instagram at The Mom Sync. See you next time. Thank you.